You're listening to the Two Paper Guys podcast. Don't miss a story from James Tubb by visiting MedicineHatNews.com and don't miss a story from Nathan Reiner by visiting paherald.sk.ca. Welcome to episode three of the Two Paper Guys podcast. I'm Nathan Reiner of the Prince Albert Daily Herald, joined alongside of James Tubb of the Medicine Hat News. Stick around, because in the second half of the show, we got Paige Bednors, the Director of Communications and Social Media with the Kelowna Rockets, joining the show. But for the first half of the show, it's just going to be us two. So how are you How are you doing today, James? Doing all right, Nathan. Not too, uh, not too shabby. How about yourself? Uh Things are going well, but I think one of our episodes that we have already made is kind of uh, obsolete now since the big news in the Western Hockey League that broke, that recently broke, is the Winnipeg Ice are no longer. We were talking about if that move was imminent, and I guess uh, you were right about your point there being, you were correct and I wasn't, and there... You know, it's, sometimes it doesn't hurt to be right. No, it was... Uh, it was just the writing was just on the wall for so long, Nathan. I knew nothing, but it was just that uh, it just seems like it was going to happen. And here we are. Uh, the Winnipeg Ice are now the Wenatchee Wild out of Washington. It's right near. It's the perfect city. I'll be honest. I never knew of it. Um, looking at options for Winnipeg to go, it wasn't on my radar, but that's just because I didn't know of. Wenatchee, but uh, looking where it's located in that U.S. division amongst other teams, it's going to be a perfect spot. They seem like the perfect franchise. They've already got uh, all their guys ready to go, and yeah, it's uh, the biggest thing is their arena sits forty three hundred people, I believe. So we are no longer it's no longer a minor league operation like the Winnipeg Ice were operating. They're a WHL team ready to go in Wenatchee. Yeah, and we were both on a. Uh, I'm gonna date this, this pod. The break, breaking yep. the fourth wall spoiler. The the section that we recorded with Paige in the second half of the show was recorded before 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 the move happened, and the day they were re- recording the first half of the show here, um, is the day after, uh, current Western Hockey League commissioner Ron. Robinson announced that he is retiring at the end of this uh, upcoming season. And like, he had a few comments about uh, that. He mentioned the facility. And I mean, I totally understand why Winnipeg's not viable if they don't have a quality barn for a team like that. Because it was kind of sad how good that team was and the barn that they were were playing at. Like, they were playing in a U-sports rink, which I mean, those U-sports rinks are... And the standards you need for a WHL facility are different than the standards you need for a U Sports facility, just because the Western Hockey League's a more a bigger league, and I just think that's that's just my my take on it. And I'm glad that they're able to get uh, a nice barn there at the Town Toyota Center in uh, in Wenatchee. Yeah, no, it's a good move, and it's uh, yeah, and it evens out the conferences and. That's also good for the WHL. Maybe they'll expand in a couple of years, add some more teams to even out even more. Because the only problem with 11 and 11, which it is now, is that opening night of the season, unless an Eastern Conference team is going to face a Western Conference team, two teams will be sitting out. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But we're going to find out uh, next week, or we're going to find out very soon. The schedule's uh, 
WHL schedule is coming out here at the end of June, and we're gonna know yeah. what's coming next season. They'll be they'll be announcing the home the preseason and the home opener home home opener schedules, but I'd be shocked if it's not the first weekend of the season. I'll be shocked. I'll be a little bit shocked if it's not the Tigers playing the Lethbridge Hurricanes and the Raiders playing the Saskatoon Blades. That's just well, what I what I think it's yeah. going to be. Hot take. Hot take. I don't know. Like last year, it was the Tigers versus Lethbridge, and the year before that, it was Tigers versus Swift. I wouldn't be surprised even if it's Tigers versus Swift again this year. Um, just that they would they'll keep going back and forth like that, especially since this is uh, Swift's last year in the Central Division. You want to get into that right now? What a segue! Yeah, yeah. Like, I see why they. I see why after the media availability with uh, Robison the other day is that uh, like that makes sense because they haven't seen a U.S. Division team since. 1819 come to come to Swift because they had BC there this year. We should explain for anyone that hasn't seen the news that uh, with the move of Winnipeg from the Eastern Conference and the East Division to the U.S. Division and the Western Conference, the Swift Current Broncos will remain in the WHL's Eastern Conference Central Division for this season only, and then they will move back to the East Division where they'll face off against Regina, Saskatoon, Moose Jaw, and Brandon. And that'll leave in the Central Division then Medicine Hat, Red Deer, Calgary, Lethbridge, and Edmonton. And it just evens it up. So like this like this year, it's going to be weird. There's going to be six teams in the Central and four in the East. But uh, it just makes sense geographically. And yeah, it just makes a lot more sense to keep the Saskatchewan and Manitoba teams together and the Alberta teams together. Especially because during the season there, even though it's like what a two-hour drive from Medicine Hat to Swift Current, there is a yeah. time change. There is a time change there during the during the season because uh, we don't touch our clocks in Saskatchewan, so yep. it'll th- it'll start at seven seven o'clock Saskatchewan time or six o'clock for you in Alberta. Which I'm I mean, I don't think you would hate that. Honestly, I don't know if you'd hate that because. Uh, that means for you, that means for you, you're done earlier. Well, yes, yeah, yes, and no. Sometimes it gives us a better chance of getting it in the newspaper. I don't mind that for sure. Um, it does make it interesting trying to schedule interviews and stuff, like with visit like teams in Saskatchewan, trying to figure that out. I can remember, I it's kind of funny now. He's leaving the league. The first, my first year working here, Connor Bedard trying to talk to him, and I almost big leagued him because I forgot about the time change. Just almost missed an interview with, uh, you know, the top prospect in hockey in over a decade. Yeah, <laughs> but and, it all worked out. <laughs> and my brain just works weird. Like I was, I've done probably besides Prince Albert, the the communications per the other communications person in the league I've gone to with the most interview requests has been uh, Nick Merrick with the Portland Winterhawks, and. I honestly get confused about the time change sometimes and have to realize that uh basically during the during daylight savings time since we don't t- we don't fall back or spring ahead. So when everyone else falls back, Saskatchewan basically becomes in the central time zone. Basically. Yes. Basically. Yeah. And Yeah. And I have to keep remembering that like that I have to think okay, I'm 2 hours ahead of of uh, Pacific time at this time of year, because I was 
trying to interview um, Gabe Clausen and uh, Rhett Ravendall were the two players I ended up talking to there from uh, from Portland. But I I had to keep in mind of the of the time change, and it was also unfortunate during uh, the end of January, beginning of February. There, and the Raiders went on their BC Division road trip. Is that the games didn't start until like 9 p.m. For, yeah, it's for tough. me. So it was some late late nights that week, and like my process a little bit is that I I always every road game I I get an interview with Truett about 20 minutes after the game, so I have to stay up till the end of the game, and then I have to wait 20 minutes to talk to Truett, and then it takes me probably once I get my quotes, it doesn't take me that long to write the story, but I still have to wait there, and I'm not complaining by any means. It's a privilege that I get to talk to. To yep. Jeff after after every game, it's just I'm just saying there was some late nights that on that for me <laughs> on that trip for sure. No, I get that. Um, back to Swift Curtain. No, sorry not to jump back, but just to kind of keep her on the rails. You asked uh, Robinson about it, and he kind of said the the reasoning was, or part of the reasoning was, besides geography, was that Swift Current they wanted to face U.S. Division team host. U.S. teams for the first time since pre-pandemic times. They get to do that this year and completely understandable. But, um, yeah, that was kind of it from the Swift Current uh, topic of that. And the rest of the conf- – most of the rest of that press conference on Thursday was him talking about his retirement. And he's uh, – this the twenty. This will be his 24th season at the helm of the Western Hockey League, and it's his final. And uh, – that's a lot of years. That's, uh, that's as many years as I've been alive. So, like, coming up. But just for him, uh, you know, I was – I don't think I've been around long enough to question or criticize or commend Ron for all the work he's done. But just in the last couple of years here, I've agreed with a lot of the moves that WHL has made. And it'll be interesting to see how they find and how they hire his uh, successor. Yeah, and the interesting thing with that about the dub compared to say the OHL is that the dub is so much. I don't want to say like geographically, the dub is so much larger than um, the Ontario Hockey League because if the Ontario Hockey League, they're mostly in Ontario. There's a few teams down in the U.S. I believe in Michigan, but uh, yeah. like the thing with the dub is that you're it's so much. It's spread out it's so much spread out and there's so many different people and they're from different uh, like walks, walks of life. Like someone from Manitoba is different than someone from or- Oregon or Washington state. Right. And you kind of have to make sure that you're, you're keeping the league in, in a dir- direction that everyone's going to appreciate. And I think that that's a, that's a strong thing that, uh, the, the league does is that it keeps everyone kind of on the same page about everything, whether you're in Kennewick or whether you're in Saskatoon or, or Brandon, right? Like everyone's on, everyone's on the same page about what's, what's happening in, in and with the league. And I think that's something that the dub should take a lot of credit for. Yeah. And I know a big focus for them was uh, trying to attract more U S uh, prospects and, talent and they instituted the u.s priority draft and it's still going and we're slowly starting to see teams be able to acquire talent through that draft edmonton seems to have a lot of success through that edmonton 
has a lot of success acquiring hockey talent at all uh, age levels. But it's I think that's their biggest focus now is retention of the hockey talent, not only in the U.S. with the U.S. teams, but also players in the West Western Canada. With the popularity of NCAA hockey and we'll see what the new BCHL league, how it attracts players. But I think that'll be a big focus or that has been a big focus, I should say, of the WHL is just retaining that talent. And yeah, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what the new uh, new commissioner does whenever he is announced or they are announced, I should say. And yeah, congratulations, sir. To Ron, I guess, on a heck of a career. Yeah, and we were having some fun in a group chat I'm in with uh, Lucas Pancarius, and I had to dig deep into our file photo archives to see like the last photo we had of uh, Ron at the Hauser. And I thought they would have something from the championship series in 2019, but uh, all the photos that we had on file were of like people lifting the cup. They didn't have one of uh, Ron presenting the cup in Prince Albert or whatever. But uh, so the photo I had to run was uh, Ron presenting Mark Habscheid with an award for 500 career victories in the WHL. (laughs) Oh, wow. And then apparently they ran a photo from like the 2016 final. (laughs) Yeah. So let's remember some file photos is what uh, (laughs) is what this has turned into. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big move, and it was kind of the focus of the uh, year-end wrap-up for the league. But now, I guess the move is to start looking forward to next season and what that'll bring. And I mean, we've talked a little bit about Wenatchee, but just to look at them as a team, and <laughs> it's kind of grim looking at Wenatchee if you just looked at, at look at what moves they can make in the draft and what kind of draft picks they have available. But it's almost like the it's an afterthought of who can come back to this team. And there is a lot of talent that can come back to uh, Wenatchee and the Wild. And that's guys like Savoy, Geeky, Matthew Savoy, Connor Geeky, should say their full names. Uh, Zach Benson is about to get drafted early here. There's a lot of talent here. And it's just interesting. It'll be interesting to see who comes back and where that leaves them and what, uh, what should be an interesting U.S. division. Where do you kind of see them, uh, Nathan, stacking up against the rest of that uh that division. I'm not as familiar with the U.S. division as I am with. I'm a little bit more familiar with the B.C. division since that. Since it was like really early in the year when a lot of U.S. teams came through PA. Um, so I'm a little out there, a little out there. But uh, I'd have to think with the talent that they have there, they should be in a playoff spot in the Western Conference for sure. Will they be a top four seed, like a top four, top three seed? Tough, tough to me to say at for me to say at the moment. But I know that they're going to have some difficult decisions to make there, especially with the draft pick situation in the next three upcoming drafts. That's been well documented before. By um, shout out Alan Caldwell for the amazing spreadsheet he has, small at large on Twitter. You can see uh, he tracks the the picks that have been moved and by by clubs and whatnot. And like, I think the highest pick Winnipeg has now in the next three drafts is in the fifth round. And I want to, I don't know if it's the, in the 2025 draft, I think it is. So it's not even this next current upcoming draft. It's 
I think it is actually the 24 draft. If I remember, they had the fifth rounder in 24, and that's the earliest pick they have for the next three years. Either way, whether it's 24 or 25, for that to be their earliest pick is <laughs> no pun intended. Wild that that's uh, the way they're going and their way they're set up. But I mean, uh, in a, like a radio interview, Wild GM Bliss Litter told John Keane from Kamloops that uh, he's already had people kind of calling, just checking in to see what uh, is going on with players. And I'm sure his phone's going to be pretty busy over the summer here. And even busier once training camp hits and seeing where guys are at uh, at the NHL level and if they're coming back to the WHL or not. And the, that's the thing with, with um, I guess I'll kind of talk about WHL GMs like this because I had this conversation. I don't know if, I believe it was off the record with uh, um, Curtis Hunt. Is that like the Raiders didn't get off to the greatest start last season, right? Like, even before he came back from training camp with the Chicago Blackhawks, teams were calling about Nolan Allen already. So, and Prince Albert didn't get off to the to the best start. So, WHL GMs are just, like, like vultures. Like, they're not afraid to strike when a team, if a team doesn't get off to a hot, like, if Wenatchee doesn't get off to a hot start, and if someone offers you, a really good trade package for Matthew Savoy on November 1st. I could see it. I could see it, honestly. Well, it's like a team like Wenatchee, they might have the players, but I don't know how much leverage they have because a guy like Savoy isn't probably going to play his 20 season in the WHL. He's probably going to be gone next year if he's not gone this year. So, for Wenatchee, you almost have to strike when the iron's hot when somebody calls on any of those guys. So it'd be interesting. Like, I, if I was them, I don't know how if I would want to wait to the trade deadline. Maybe you'll get better leverage there. Probably, you would, I don't know what I'm saying. You would get better leverage closer to the trade deadline because it's the last time you can acquire in a player. But if you're Wenatchee, still, other teams know that you need capital. And there's only so many players they can trade to get that draft capital. So. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got to strike uh, strike when the iron's hot if you're uh, the Wild. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to, by no means do I think they're going to go scorched earth day one in the summer here. I don't think that's the right move considering it's they're just bringing the Western Hockey League into that market for the first time. So I think they will want to hold on to some of those pieces and, and be a successful team from day one in that market. It's just the question of managing those assets to make sure that you're able to sustain you don't go into the doldrums for three, four, five years because of what the, the previous regime in, in Winnipeg did with uh, assets trying to win, trying to win themselves a championship. And so it's, it's a, there's a reason I'm the furthest thing from a general manager in the Western hockey league, but it'll be, it'll be interesting for me to watch, to see what they decide to do with, some of those guys that are mentioned, um, Matthew Savoy, Connor, not Noah Geeky, um, and amongst others. So I I have yeah. a feel I have a feeling probably the guy you could get the most for would probably be like a Zach Benson, I would think, just because it's like he's an 05. He he'll be in his eighteen year old season this year, which is 
kind of wild to think about. And I'd have to think you would have him for this season plus his 19-year-old season just because of his size and whatnot. Uh, whoever ends up drafting him might want to let him season in the in the dub a l- for an extra season. And then I'd think he would be gone to the American League at least in his 20-year-old season. But uh, a lot can happen between now and then, right? So there's always there's always like a Cole Sillinger situation where you don't really expect that guy to make camp, but he breaks camp with the team and then medicine hat. Just... I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it was yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it'll shock you. I'll tell you, you expect the guy to come back and he doesn't. There was a lot of shock people in uh, Medicine Hat, and, but I mean, at the end of the day, they got David McKenna out of it, so. It'd be interesting to see how they feel about not getting Sonja back now. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. No, and, it'll be, I don't want to like be too predictious here, but uh, for me, looking at where Zach Benson is, the type of player he is, I think he's going to be a uh, Montreal Canadian. That's my kind of thoughts. You know, you can pencil that in and we'll wait till next week for the NHL draft, but carry on. Sorry, I interrupted you, Nathan. Yeah. It's it's a going to be a very difficult balancing act there because if that let's say they they have one good season their first year there where you have all those guys and then if you don't move them and with the assets they have they're going to be in the doldrums for a while with because and they would have to move guys for they'd have to move like anything anyone and every. Anyone and everyone that has value, they'd probably move for draft picks, honestly, so that they could get uh, back into um, back into a sustainable thing because it's different in the dub compared to the BCHL because, sure, you can list guys in the dub, but a, a majority of the top talent is guys that are um, drafted. Like, there are guys that don't go... Sure, there's the odd guy that ends up being listed, goes on to get drafted to the NHL, have a tremendous NHL career. That happens, but you're talking about 1 in 10,000 players that that do the, that end up on that trajectory. So it's... Having those draft picks are just so, so, so important in this league because a lot of the guys that you look at that are it's impact great. players for their clubs... Yeah, the and the other... Um, besides player retention, I mean, what, uh, what actually right now is... They're still looking for a head coach, which kind of, and that this is credit to John Keane again. He kind of figured found out the new or not broke the news, but he reported on the news that uh, head coach James Patrick of the Winnipeg Ice didn't make the transition to Wenatchee, and he is technically a free agent as Wenatchee looks for a new head coach. And I mean, like for Patrick, he had a he had 166 wins, 49 losses, and eight ties in his four years behind the bench of the ice, and. I can't imagine he's going to be a coaching free agent long. He's too good of a head coach, and he's a real pro. He's a great interview, all that, good personality. There's options in the WHL. There's options in pro leagues as well. I just I can't see him hanging around too longer, and I think it's he, he's one of the few coaches that's going to have choices going forward here this summer of where he wants to coach. And it would be interesting to see uh, – Kind of what he chooses and where he stays in, if he stays in the league or not. And and the two markets that kind of, for both of us, that I think kind of come to mind of about like, hmm, that could be an interesting fit would be 
in if he stays in province and heads to the Brandon Wheat Kings, they had Marty Marty Murray take over behind the bench uh, in the middle of last season after Don, Don McGilvery was let go by the club. Um, and the other market that's I think is even more intriguing is Red Deer since with uh, Steve Connor Walchuk exiting that position. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see like you go from Sutter to James Patrick. And I don't, or not Sutter, sorry, uh, James Conowalchuk to, to uh, Patrick, Steve Conowalchuk. Oh, my goodness. But Na- for you to hard. bring in James Patrick, it would, like, yeah, with the idea of James Patrick moving to the Central Division and the Red Deer uh, Rebels taking over for Steve Conowalchuk, I mean, that's a really good Red Deer team. And if they can add a coach of that caliber, it's going to go a long way because uh, I'm a little surprised they haven't named a head coach there in Red Deer yet. I don't think Brent Sutter wants to do both. I don't know that for sure, but that would be a lot of responsibility. And I think James could – I think Coach Patrick could do a lot with that team and that franchise. And same with Brandon. I mean, maybe he does want to stay in Manitoba like you mentioned, and Marty Murray uh, doesn't have to do double duty anymore. He could focus on just player uh, retention and bringing in more talent. There's those are two very interesting choices, and maybe there's some W or AHL jobs as well. But I think I wouldn't be surprised if Patrick really wants to win in this league. He seems like the type of guy, and he's got really close with Winnipeg, and just couldn't cross that line. And maybe a new team will help him out. But I'm a little surprised we haven't heard more from anyone. But you know, it doesn't surprise me that Patrick kind of keeps things under wraps. And I just thinking about the timeline from uh, last off season because this was before I moved up to Prince Albert, but I believe it was sometime about third week of July, if I remember correctly, when the Raiders announced that uh, Truett was taking over the head coaching role from Mark Habscheid. So I think that's kind of the timeline I would watch for is second, third, fourth week of July. There, I think that's when you'll start to see some some movement within uh, some of those open coaching availabilities in, in the dub. Like it's, it'll be by the end of July, I would think we should know the answer to who the new bench bosses are going to be in, in Red Deer. If there's going to be a new bench boss in Brandon, because Marty Murray does not have to give up that position as their general manager. I think it's up to him, I guess, if he wants to hire a new head coach or not. And so I'd keep, third fourth week of july i think this might be a conversation we revisit and we might know where um guys have ended up because uh when i saw that coaching availability i saw i think within three days of each other i saw um kind of kind of exit that position in red deer and i saw within three days Mark Habscheid resigned from the position he had uh, in Europe. So my brain was going, welcome back to the Western Hockey League, Mark Habscheid. And then he got a new coaching job in Europe. So, Oh, yeah. He stayed in Europe. He stayed in Europe. So I was literally the... My disappointment is immeasurable and my day has been ruined. That that was me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it'll be... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the coaching carousel ends up and where it finishes here uh, this offseason. And with the WHL's general meetings behind us and the schedule being released 
and the gene here, there's the focus really does shift now to next season. And uh, we'll find out when preseason starts and stuff like that. I would imagine it starts roughly the middle of September. So, um, yeah, until then, it, everything else WHL talk is reaction to trades, signings, or uh, just speculation. And who doesn't love a little bit of speculation, Nathan? Exactly. And I think a lot of the <laughs> trades you'll see this time of year are going to be lots, lots of those 2003-born players moving with open slots in the league. Some teams have more than others. Prince Albert has an open 2003 spot, but it wouldn't surprise me with um, with uh, what what they... Uh, it wouldn't surprise... I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but uh wouldn't surprise me if that Ooh. move isn't made until the season. Yeah. Well, we've seen teams already starting to drop, uh, drop their O3s. So I guess the last uh, thing to look, the main storylines to follow the rest of the offseason now is going to be 2003-born players and seeing where they end, end up with uh, some teams having more spots open than others for 2003. I know Prince Albert only has two 2003s at the moment, but it wouldn't surprise me until um, if Curtis didn't make that move until the season already already begun. Do you think there's going to be any major major 03 moves in uh, the hat coming up here, James, or do you think uh, Willie's going to head into camp with the team team as is? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, Nathan, I think we've talked about it before. Just the guys that the Tigers have, uh, they've got three to. Def- Three twenty-year-old defenseman. They got a forward and a goalie, and that's five guys for three spots. I wouldn't be surprised if they broke camp with the five guys and go from there. Uh, the goalie Beckenlanko it makes it tough. He had a really good season. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, it it's just too early to say. But the way I look at it right now is, yeah, they'll probably break camp with all five and and go from there. So that was the first half of the show featuring. Just the two of us. We hope you stick around because we will have Paige Bednors, the Director of Communication and Social Media with the Kelowna Rockets, joining the show in just a moment. Don't miss an update from either of the paper guys. Follow James Tubb of the Medicine Hat News on Twitter at ReporterTubb and follow Prince Albert Daily Herald sports reporter Nathan Ryder at NathanRyder14. Also, don't miss an update from the Two Paper Guys podcast by following the podcast's official Twitter page at Two Paper Guys Pod. Welcome back to the Two Paper Guys podcast with uh, myself, Nathan Ryder of the Prince Albert Daily Herald and James Tubb of the Medicine Hat News. we got a very special guest joining us today from Kelowna, British Columbia. Please welcome the Communications and Social Media Director for the Kelowna Rockets, Paige Bednorris. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy, busy schedule to to chat with us Two Paper Guys. No, thanks for having me. I, I'm really, really happy to be chatting with you guys today. Awesome. and. For those of you who don't know, I I kind of want to tell this story because I think it's kind of funny. Is that when I first started in Prince Albert in August of 
Yeah, August of 2022, I did things very out of order. The first team I contacted for an interview request was Paige with the Kelowna Rockets <laughs> to talk to Bruce to talk to Bruce Hamilton because for those of you who don't know, like Jeff Mark Habscheid to Jeff Truitt, that whole transition happened in Kelowna in the mid 2000s before it happened in this past year with in Prince Albert. So I kind of talked to Bruce about that for one of my, that was one of the first stories I did with on this job. So, and then, yeah, I got to just communicate with Paige a little bit over Twitter and stuff, especially when you were stuck in uh, <laughs> Victoria, was it? Victoria, was it Christmas? Yeah, right? it, was, it was Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, we're just going to talk to Paige a little bit about uh, what her day-to-day job looks like and kind of, shine a spotlight on someone who puts in many, many hours in this league that kind of, that I feel at least anyway, doesn't get the public recognition of everything that goes into their job. So I guess the first uh, question I got for you, for you here uh, today, Paige, is kind of uh, what's it like in the, in the day-to-day, in the day-to-day role as a communications and social media director in Kelowna there? Um, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's two roles really pushed into one. It's the communications and then and then the digital media side of it. So some days, you know, I'm at a school visit with the players trying to follow them around, mic'd up, recorded, and then I'm sprinting back to the office to write um, the game preview for the game that we're playing the next day. And then I'm also the person that's doing the game notes and the roster and the sheets. And, you know, before the game starts, I'm the person who does the starters and scratches. So our office officials know who's playing and who's not playing and the scouts and our fans. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It uh, keeps me busy and, I mean, even even the summer, it's been quite busy, or I guess spring into the summer, it's been busy with, you know, moves and trades and, and the draft and whatnot. So it's, uh, yeah, it's always busy. There's always something going on. You know, you've got the NHL draft coming up in two weeks. So there's always something going on. You guys obviously, like, Andrew Crystal, if he's not in the top 10, will be, well, even top 10, top 15, it'll be a shock. And whoever t- takes him is a steal, but kind of, how do you approach cut like uh, getting content ready for the draft page, or is that something I don't know if you want to share that yet or not? But how do you kind of look at the NHL draft? Um, so this is my I think fourth or this must be like my fifth or sixth NHL draft. Now that I'm thinking about it, my first one yep. would have been when uh, I actually got to go to Vancouver for that draft, and so it was the the year that Lassie Thompson and Nolan Foot went in the first round together, and then Caden Korzak was picked the next day, um, and that was kind of an eye opener about how things work. You can I joke that it takes you know a couple years to learn how everything works and kind of have a better understanding of it. So this year it's kind of you know I'm I'm really really lucky that I've worked with these guys all the way from being drafted here all the way up. So I have good relationships with their family. I can reach out to them for content and and like I'm not going to Nashville unfortunately, but you know I've reached oh. out to both. Yeah, I know, I know. I've reached out to both Andrew and uh and Caden Price's uh parents both for, you know, if they get picked, can you or when they get picked, can you guys send me some photos of them in their NHL jersey with your family? Like um just just things like that, you know, leading up to it um yeah the WHL did a really good job on following them around on the Alberta road trip so I've kind of cut up some of those clips to share um and then yeah it's just you know kind of following it up and leading up to it and and showcasing what what they are and who they are and and then when they get picked you know just obviously following their journey and and what they've done you know that's something that Nathan and I like this I'm only coming off my second season covering the WHL Nathan just finished his first full 
we are like you're learning guys starting to meet rookies and going like that and learning through the career but like for you coming off i looking at your linkedin four years you're gonna start your fifth season coming up for you, you no know, seeing these guys play their whole careers and reach that goal of being drafted or eventually will be drafted here in a couple of weeks what's that like and just getting to see them on an almost daily basis and see the grind they go through and all that uh, leading the way. Yeah, the commitment to the game, you know, from a young age of 14, 15 being drafted and coming in here. And then, you know, the next year, it's like they sprout right up, you know, they've really grown up. It's okay. And then, you know, they graduate high school. And I mean, even it's exciting to see the guys that get drafted to the NHL, but it's even more exciting to see, you know, the guys that go to school and what they're taking and, you know, growing up. And I, I think, so I interned in 2017. And then when I came back, I took over the job in 2018. So those guys are all starting to reach almost the end. The first round of guys are starting to reach the end of their college careers and, or, you know, school careers. And and now they're growing up and becoming young adults in, in the real world. So I, I think it's super rewarding to see, you know, who they've grown up to be and, and just working around them every day is honestly, it's really fun to watch them grow up. Yeah, and I guess the next question I wanted to thing I wanted to talk about. You mentioned that you have good relationships with before that you have good relationships with the players and their family when you're talking about Andrew Crystal and Kane Price with the upcoming draft this year. But uh, and I guess I'll talk a little bit about especially the TikTok page for the Kelowna Rockets. Kind of how is that? I've looked at that, and I think a lot of other teams around the league look at that as kind of a, a model Kelowna as a model of how they want their social media presence to be especially on TikTok but uh how's the buy-in been from the players and what's your favorite uh content to make for for especially TikTok there uh the buy-in from the players has honestly been amazing I'm I'm really really fortunate to have a, a good group of guys that want to be a part of it and do it and we don't force anyone into it if they don't want to do it. Um, the question of the day, they're more than welcome to skate up and ask what the question is and answer it. I'm never, ever chasing anyone down for their answer if they don't want to. It's all about what they're comfortable with. Um, you know, it's uh, it was it's interesting to see how much it's grown in the last couple of years. Like the, the Papa John's where they were making pizza, that was kind of like a, it was an interesting one because I'd never actually done anything like that before. So we got there and the concept was they were just going to make pizza. And then it turned into, you know, all four of them are going to make their own pizza. And then it turned into, they were asking like, could they have the delivery sign? Could they make the delivery to one of their teammates? And Scott from Papa John's, you know, was really good about it. It was like, yeah, absolutely. Come on guys. Gives them the sign, slaps it on the car. You know, we hop in the car to go make the delivery. So it's just kind of been the buy-in from the guys, you know, it's, it's fun for them, you know, to get off the ice and go do something fun, you know, maybe grocery shopping or <laughs> making pizza. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the buying from the guys. It's all on them. They're, they're really invested in it. And, and again, I'm, I'm really, really lucky to have a good group of guys. And, you know, if they're not super comfortable, like there's a couple of them that I'll shoot them ahead of time before I post it to make sure they're okay with it before it goes out kind of thing. There's a lot of trust that goes into it. Um, so yeah, that's a big part of it. And then I guess my favorite kind of content to make is I really like going to the school visits with the guys and seeing, um, those core memories that are being formed with those kids, you know, playing floor hockey and high-fiving them and, and running down the rush, you know, to give them the high fives as they're all sitting on the floor. I think, I think that's probably the most, uh, the most fun content to make because they're having a good time and the kids are having a good time. 
I don't want to get too far away from it, and we have to link it when we post this, uh, Nathan, just to remember. That grocery video was, like, I watched that a lot. It was amazing, just getting, like, taking guys to the grocery store, because it's something, as a 16, 17, 18-year-old, you maybe go with your mom or dad a couple times to the grocery store, but you don't think about it. So I love that. I love that idea when you did that. And do you, Have you been surprised at how well the TikToks have been received and just kind of uh, like that? Or are you just kind of happy to see uh, all the attention they've been getting? Um. Yeah, you know, I, when I started TikTok, in, I launched it in December, I want to say 2021, um, just before we had left for the Christmas break. And then it just video after video after video started going viral. And and I think that's what made it so much fun for the guys to participate because it was like they were just trying to see which guy would get the most views and which would go the most viral. Um, so, yeah, and it's been it's been a lot of fun to take it in different directions. And, and like you said, the grocery shopping thing isn't something that you would typically see a hockey team post. And so I think it's been fun to create content that's far out into left field and is a little bit different than what you see from other teams in the league. I know coaches never like singling out of single or a player um, page, but I'm going to try to ask you to do it. Who's been, I don't want to say the best to work with, but maybe the most surprising and that you've enjoyed working with the most to create content, just a guy that's like took it up, went off running and just kind of makes the job kind of easy for you. To be honest, they're all really, really good. They're all okay. they're all volunteering. Um, you know, they've all got, you know, positives to their personalities that come out in different ways in the videos. And they're I, I can't signal out a, a single guy because they're just they're all so unique in their own ways and, and positives that they all do to make my job a lot easier on a daily basis. Just taking the coach's cop out. I get it. It's fine. Whole team <laughs> effort. I get it. <laughs> And I, I guess with every TikTok you have, uh, there was one question of the day that I wrote down that I wanted to make sure I, I talked about here. And that was, uh, I think you asked the, the guys their favorite Taylor Swift song. And I believe it was John Babcock say party in the USA. So I guess, have you been able to educate him a little bit more about, uh, about um, the whole Taylor Swift genre of music here? <laughs> yeah no I think the Swifties in our mentions definitely made sure he was educated on that and it just lined up so well that we were doing our awards a few days later and of course I'm I'm really really lucky that in our organization I'm handed the list ahead of time to know who the winners are so I went up to the guy that was doing the music that day and said hey you know when John's announced for our um, humanitarian of the year can you can you please play party in the USA we're gonna tie it back into our social media for a post <laughs> What's your favorite Taylor Swift song? Um, yeah, <laughs> you've caught me off guard. <laughs> I'd have to say Lavender Haze, her new stuff. It's pretty good. But uh, okay. my, fa my favorite album is 1989. <laughs> okay. I'm a classic Irish song, like just back to the old country roots of Taylor Swift. That's kind of my go-to. But uh, yeah, her new stuff pretty fire. I have I you looked at her... trying to go to a concert? Oh, you've been? Oh my god. I saw her. I'm not a I'm not a massive, massive Swifty by any means. Um, but I saw her when she was in Edmonton. I think Kenny Chesney was performing at uh Commonwealth and she was the opener before she made it really, really big. I think I was like in grade 10. What a combo platter of artists. Oh my goodness. Um, for you, Paige, you mentioned it a little bit there, just getting that heads up with the list of award winners. How 
we've talked a little bit about just kind of your work, but how easy do the Rockets make it for you? I know you're the director of communications and social media, but uh, there is, I'm assuming there's people above you still. Just how much easier do they make your job and how much of the reins kind of do they give you and uh, just let you do you every day? Yeah, you know, I'm really thankful to work for an organization that's really bought into the the social and digital media side of it. So, you know, hanging out on the bench during practice or warm ups or, you know, getting, you know, the heads up on a trade, maybe a little bit ahead of time. So that way I can start compiling things together. Um, for instance, like the Aginla deal, we had the the Photoshop ready to roll as soon as the trade was announced. Um, so, yeah, again, like I'm, I'm really, really grateful to work for an organization where I get the heads up on things and there's a lot of trust in there. And, and you know, it takes time to earn that trust, but um, I'm really, really thankful to have it. Were you surprised by that again, the trade, or what was your reaction? I don't know how much you want to talk about the hockey side of things, but what was your reaction to that trade? It's exciting for our organization. You know, we've added another young player, a top 06, and it's definitely, definitely very exciting for our organization and the fans. I guess for... Uh, oh. Go ahead, Nathan. Yeah, and I guess I'll, I'll, I'm going to just take things totally to left field after the last topic there about uh, Aginla. But I know, obviously, with Rocky Raccoon and Kelowna, the and I, I love how off how you're able to get you have like a treasure trove of raccoon gifts ready to go on on Twitter, it seems. And anytime something happens with the Kelowna Rockets, but do you have a favorite raccoon gift that, that you go to? That, that you that you use with uh, on Twitter with uh, Kelowna there. Yeah, so I've actually got a file folder of raccoon gifts <laughs> I use, and they're all labeled. There's things for like penalty and loss and win and angry and um, really, really, you know, in my first few seasons here, I, I used the the uh, gift capture. So I would go into YouTube and capture a bunch of different videos to use. So you know, like when the the ice disappears when he puts it into the water kind of thing but my absolute favorite one to use it's a wendy's commercial and it's the raccoons they're taken off out of the garage to go to they're in a truck or it must be a van or something you know so the one raccoon slams on the gas pedal and they rip out of the garage destroying the garage door and then they take off to wendy's so that's, that's definitely my favorite one to use um it's good for wins it's good for you know when we went on the road kind of thing so what does game day kind of look for you look like for you, Paige, just having both roles that you do? Just kind of like without going minute by minute, I guess, kind of what's a, a normal home game like for you? Yeah, I think I made a TikTok kind of about the day in the life of what I do. And I think it kind of shocked a lot of people about how many things I do in a game day. But like the day before or a couple of days before I post the the preview, um, just kind of like uh, letting you know that what's gone on in the last few games for us and the other team and, and a couple of players to watch and previously what's happened in that series this season. And then I do the head-to-head lineups um, for, you know, the fans and, and the scouts and all that. And then um, I've created a document here for our lineup charts. It's got uh, – it's got um, all of our players' stats for the season, their career stats, how they were acquired, height, weight, all that. So that's for our scouts, and I also upload that to our site. So, yeah, I get in the morning for game day and, you know, post the game day post, uh, print off everything that needs to go around the rink for everybody, 
uh, post our first goal content. And then uh, I'm kind of usually free to go home for the afternoon, say hello to my cat, get a snack kind of thing, go for a walk. Uh, and then I come back to the rink for about five o'clock. And usually by then the rosters are submitted by both teams. And then I get all that paperwork ready for um, the scouts to go upstairs and office officials and, and our photographers with the shot lists and all that. And then uh, when game time comes around, then I go on the bench for warmups for some content from there and then head up to the press box and kind of, you know, watch the game, document it as it goes through. And then at the end of the game, you know, we interview a coach and a player. Usually it's just a couple of us. And then I, I'm really lucky. I live a, I live incredibly close to the rink. So I pack up and I head home and then I, my cat and I, we write the post game press release and get all the video posted in the highlights. And then you, if you've got a game the next day, then you got to refresh the notes and you got to refresh the stats. And then you send it off to the other team or hope that the other team has sent you their stuff to get ready for the next day. What's your cat's name? His name is Charlie, and he's named after uh, Charlie from the Mighty Ducks movies. That's uh, I'm tired listening to that. That's a lot. how many steps do you like? Do you track that on a game day? I'm sorry. So it's usually uh, you know, if it's a really really busy day, it's usually somewhere from fifteen to twenty thousand steps in a day. It's a lot of stairs. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Wow. But, you know, I've been doing it for so long, it's just kind of ingrained into your brain at this point. So it's it's second nature. Fair enough. And I know you're at every home game there at in Kelowna, but have you ever, with your time with the Rockets, have you ever traveled with, with the team anywhere? I'm just asking because, like, my hometown is Lethbridge, so I'm planning on, uh, hopefully, knock on wood, when the dub schedule is announced in the coming days here that it works out that I can I'm hoping for a medicine hat Lethbridge weekend road swing so I can watch a game with James there at co-op and then and then visit family and watch the Raiders play the Hurricanes in Lethbridge but have you ever traveled to watch uh the, the Rockets play in any in any opposing barn yeah so I don't actually travel with the team um but I've had a couple opportunities so I Got to go with the team. Well, I got to travel down for our playoff games last year in Seattle there in the opening round. Um, and that's that's a wild environment in that rink. It's there. They're allowed. And then um, this past uh, this past February, we played in Edmonton and I grew up in Edmonton. So I flew home for the weekend and uh, watched the game in Edmonton. A bunch of my family all came to the game. And then uh, I just hung out there for the weekend and, and watched the rest of the, this road trip online and then flew home on the Monday. Awesome. Is the schedule coming out soon, Nathan? You mentioned it there. Maybe Paige, you know when did when does the schedule usually come out? Uh, it's usually late June, I think. Early okay. July. I think there was one year where it was early July. It's so hard the last couple of years, like because of COVID, like push season back, and last season was the first one kind of right on track, I believe, normal. So it's just, I guess, we're getting back into the the normal schedules of the seasons. I guess I'm not. Yeah, I know I sure, find but... out things early, but that's not one of them that I know yet. So I get to find <laughs> out just like you guys do. <laughs> Fair enough. And and um, it's go oh, ahead. Go ahead. and like I it's it's nice. Like last year was really nice because I mean you got to see everybody in the league again because like the last two three seasons or whatever you're only playing you were only playing the teams in the Western Eastern or Western Conference for for one year there, and the year before it was just like 
in the bubble and you only played in your division. And I think it was really nice anyway last year. And I'm looking forward to seeing the BC teams come to to Prince Albert this year is just, just to see all the um, teams around the league. Because obviously, like, for some of those U.S. teams, it was their first time in Prince Albert. Like Gabe Klassen, who's the captain of the Portland Winterhawks, he's from uh, PA. And, like, he's only going to get an opportunity to play in PA once as a as a WHL player, barring a trade from Portland. But I just, how nice is that just to be able to see for, for both of you? I guess this question is for both of you, but how nice is it to be able to see teams you haven't seen and see, see people and see teams that you haven't seen in quite some time? Uh, yeah, no, it's super, super cool. I know there's a lot of people out in the East that I didn't even know until this year because there's been just so much turnover since the last time we played. Um, so, yeah, having having to have contact with the East teams again was nice and getting to know all the people that are new in the roles there. Yeah, it's I it was the same having the BC teams coming up this year, and I got to meet uh, Kelowna Radio superstar uh, Regan Bartel and talk to him and uh, – I was going to ask you with that page, so the travel, what was that like? Uh, obviously, we got it in the East a bunch with Connor Bedard and the sold-out games uh, down the stretch. But for you guys, he was there for one game, and it was the whole – he sold out the entire BC division as far as I understand. So, kind of what was that game like uh, when Bedard, uh, Bedard Mania made its way to Kelowna? Yeah, so um, I knew ahead of time that Andrew – Crystal and, and Connor Bedard had been childhood friends since they were really, really young. They had grown up together. So when uh, when Connor was coming through here, the media requests for him were through the roof. And we um, I had reached out to Dante there in Regina and we just decided, you know, we'll do a we'll do a, a media thing and I'll, I'll invite all the media in town here to come in. So that way he didn't have to facilitate it. And then uh, we just, we kind of made it a little bit different. We wanted to really focus on Connor and, uh, and Andrew's friendship. So we actually had, uh, sorry, we had Andrew at the press conference as well. So that way they could talk about their friendship and the relationship that they have. And, you know, it was, I think it was nice for Connor to be able to, you know, talk about that more so than just himself. Yeah. And how much do you, because Nathan and I were media guys. So we always, the, I don't want to say the teams are the bad guys, but you're always asking more and more and more from the team. So for your side of it, just, uh, What's it like dealing with media without getting into the relationship with each media market or anything like that? But for you, just kind of how do you handle that on a daily or the season, throughout the season, just uh, dealing with the requests and everything like that from the media? Yeah, so in town here, uh, we've got Regan. So Regan works for technically Patterson, which they have their Rocket Fan entity, but he's he's kind of like one of us here within the organization. So he's he's a lot of fun to deal with. And then uh, – you know, we've got we've got Global and casting that out here. And so they come in and, and cover the guys as well. And, you know, it's a lot of fun dealing with the media and, and getting the guys, you know, a little bit more exposure um, to talk about themselves and the team and who they are and what they do. And it's uh, it's always fun to facilitate all that. The one thing I will say is the media requests for Andrew Crystal this year, just from around, you know, at people who follow the NHL and are preparing for the draft has just been astronomical. I've never seen anything like this. Do you have any like tips that like we've got here in medicine how we've got Gavin McKenna obviously but first overall but just for anyone who is covering players of that magnitude of like Andrew this year heading into his draft do you have any like, tips or anything just to maybe like rec- don't request them as often or anything like that do you kind of know what I mean just kind of 
how to handle a player of uh, that magnitude in this kind of season. Yeah. So the one thing with Andrew was um, we just had so many media requests for him. I was getting like upwards of 10 a week and it's just something that you can't facilitate all the time, especially from outside of Kelowna. Um, but like for you guys, I mean, you're on the ground and you're there and they, they come through so you can talk to them kind of thing. And yeah, you know, just, just getting to know them as, as a person and maybe finding out little things about them outside of hockey. It's always fun to be able to talk to them about stuff like that and get to know who they are as people. Nathan, do you got anything? Yeah, and I know that there's, um, I guess, I'll, I'll be that guy that's just driving the bus in totally random directions here today, but that's fine. <laughs> that's usually how I am. It's all good. <laughs> it's just just scatterbrained, but obviously with making, go back going back to the social media content topic, and I know there's a bunch of different trends out there, and some of them may be appropriate to do with the with the Kelowna Rockets brand, and some of them might not be the the best look for for the, for the Kelowna Rockets brand on, on social media there. So how do you kind of decide what, what kind of trend is good for your team to, to pursue versus something you might uh, steer away from making that kind of content? Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're, um they're kids and you, you have to remember that and, and perceptions of people who are watching the content and what they see in it and what they interpret from it is always different than what I might be thinking or they might be thinking. Um, so yeah, a lot of it is just uh, making sure that it aligns with our brand and it's fun and it's not, you know, being misinterpreted, hopefully in, a, in the wrong way. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is just brand, uh, just making sure that it aligns with our brand and whatnot. And I'm, I'm really, really thankful that before I worked for the Rockets, I worked for uh, an agency in Edmonton where we had a client list of, I think, 20 or it was, it had to have been at least 30 different clients. And it ranged from um, like River Cree at the time they were with them. Um, Midas was with them, like the brakes and, and car repair and oil shop. Um, and so it was just learning how to write in different tones and different ways and, and figuring out, what worked for those brands and, you know, something might work for one, but not the other kind of thing. So a lot of it has been really, really learning how to work with different brands and different tones. And so coming into Kelowna here, I kind of, kind of gauge which way I wanted to go with it. And, you know, it's, it's always fun when you're just one brand and one brand only. So even in the hockey, there is some free time in the hockey industry, not a whole lot more obviously comes in the off season. What do you do Paige? You got to have some fun. Can't just hang out with uh, the cat the whole time, kind of what, uh, or maybe you can, I don't know. Um, what's What do you do in your uh, free time? How do you get away from hockey for a little bit? Yeah, so um, I played really competitive golf growing up, uh, so I still go out and play, not competitively anymore, but I'll get out for a round here and there and, and go hit balls and then um I play slow pitch here in the city so I've made some friends that way and go out and play once a week with them which kind of helps you know stop from focusing on hockey and then uh I own a pair of rollerblades so uh, I picked that up during COVID and I'll go out and rollerblade like you know 26 30 kilometers in a day around the city and um that's a it's a good nice little reset just to throw your earbuds in and go out and skate and focus on having a perfect stride what do you usually listen to uh while rollerblading uh, I'm a big EDM fan, so it's a lot of electronic dance music. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. No what, Taylor uh, Swift. <laughs> no Taylor Swift. I was just gonna ask that. Not a, not the biggest Swiftie. I get it. Uh, what would uh, what was your highest uh, or I guess lowest? I guess it's golf handicap or just how good at the uh, golf did you get? And kind of when what brand do you go to uh, when it comes to the golf game? 
Uh, yeah. So my, when I was in high school, you know, I had my handicap down to like 10 and under at some points there. And I was really fortunate. I was playing like 36 holes in a day growing up. And, you know, I worked at golf town and was able to get out on the course all the time. And that's, that's the joke I make with the guys all the time. Now I have a job and golf is a lot more expensive when you're an adult, unfortunately. So kind of took those days for granted where I was playing so much golf, but um yeah no my go-to my go-to for brand would be ping they're just so consistent and their their quality is so good that's what i ask any player i can of it i think it's the first time i've ever heard ping that's amazing i like that okay uh, yeah <laughs> when i worked in the i worked in the golf industry in 2020 while i was still in uh college there and uh like the head pro and the associate pro at uh Picture Butte, Picture Butte Golf and Country Club. If you're ever in Southern Alberta, in Gem, 27 holes, would recommend playing. But uh, <laughs> Callaway and TaylorMade were like the entirety of our pro shop, and then we had like one tiny little rack for for ping because our head our head pro and our executive pro were both signed with Callaway, and then our associate pro was was a TaylorMade guy. So I have I've only ever been truly exposed to so this is my funny story about TaylorMade. I wanted the TaylorMade burner. I think I was 15 at the time. It must have been like it was brand new out on the market. I was 14, 15 because I was working back shop at, at the course that I played and I saved up all my money. So the driver cost me $520. Top of the line, right? And then the next year, the driver was on sale for like, I think like 200. And then that's how I learned that TaylorMade didn't really hold its value heading into the next year because they released a completely new <laughs> but I, you know what i still have the driver in my bag to this day it's it's old faithful good investment yeah <laughs> like, you mentioned it go ahead nathan uh i'm just like i bought my club second hand and for people that don't know me i'm like six foot four so like and the clubs i have are not like long enough for me and the clubs I have, to give, they're a title. Like, I'm a left-handed golfer, just like you, Paige, from what I understand on your social media post that you're a left-handed golfer. Yeah. But uh, my clubs are Titleist 731 PM Irons. Do you – any guesses what the what the PM stands for in that uh, abbreviation? I'm just curious if any one of you guys know it. I don't know. Now I'm Googling it. <laughs> Can you only play golf at night with them? Like, are they? Do they glow in the dark? <laughs> the, the PM stands for Phil Mickelson, and like Phil Mickelson was with Titleist like over no twenty way. years ago. So they're like, these irons are made to like Phil's specifications, and I'm like a terrible golfer, so I just like don't hit any ball good at all with them. But it's like it's okay. I play golf for the social aspect of of things anyway. Just well, these to... are like blades. They look like they're hard to hit. <laughs> Oh, oh my god and and they're also and like the, the shaft that I, the shaft that they're on they're i'm not complaining by any means because i i got the entire set off of uh my form my former boss at picture butte he gave me a really good deal on a, on a full set i think i got like a driver driver through putter including like some a couple lob wedges in there i think i paid 500 bucks for the set of clubs and the bag so it was a really good deal i'm not complaining really good to get me into the game because i had played with my dad when i was like 10 years old and then i played a lot of baseball so like my summertime was on the diamond and 
when I was playing, they're like, oh, don't go play golf because it'll screw up your baseball swing and and whatever. Because as similar, my slow pitch swing is terrible. It looks like more like I'm trying to swing down at stuff, and they're all teasing me, calling me flop shot out there. <laughs> slow pitch is hard. It's like sneaky, oh, like underrated hard to try to pick up that swing. Yeah. The amount of times I just swung like straight up in the air and missed, and, it's, and uh, thing, it's not easy. And the thing is, I don't think you can go play golf with any like baseball player and have them not slice their driver horribly. If that's happening, tell them to shift their front foot back a little bit. <laughs> that's my yeah. that's my pro tip for you because it it helps pull the club across your body more, so then it'll help overcorrect the slice. Yeah, you, um, you move your front foot back. I gotta write this down. Move your front <laughs> foot backwards. I got yeah. a terrible slice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I guess this is turning into an unofficial golf podcast. Now. I love it. <laughs> I just got a free golf lesson. Jeez. Thanks, Paige. So what I'm here to do? <laughs> I I I picked up. A, I took a few lessons when I was working at the course. So, like, and I had one shot. I remember. Where like I was right against the tree, and I intentionally sliced it, and it worked out per and it worked out perfectly because I was like right next to a tree, and I pull out like my uh, my three wood because this is on a par five, and I just absolutely hit the most terrible slice you'll ever see, but it was like it worked perfectly because I ended up in, like middle of the fairway about a hundred yards out on the par five <laughs> after being in thick rough next to a tree at uh, number nine at Picture Butte, so. <laughs> So yeah, if you if you're ever in Prince Albert in the summertime, let's go golf. Either of you, let's I'm go golf. I'm sure Michael Susans would love that. He would he would totally bend in on that. We we would be out there for sure. Yeah, good good guy, good guy, Michael Susans with the with the Prince Albert Raiders, and uh, yeah, I guess I'll I'll continue my scatterbrain mentality here. Oh, and uh, obviously there was league meetings recently for. From what I understand, for people in front offices across the WHL, how uh, how was that to get to to meet people in person from across the league after so much time here? Yeah, it was the first in person meetings that we've had since um twenty twenty nineteen there when they were in Kelowna here. So this year they actually they separated them. So it was uh, the East had their own in Saskatoon, and then the Western Conference had theirs in Langley. So it was it was nice to be able to see. Um, a lot of my friends from around the league and be able to visit with them and see them because usually we're just communicating via text and phone and, and all that so and it's nice to be able to bounce ideas off of each other and see how they approach things and then you know take that and bring that back here and apply it is there anything out of those meetings that you can share kind of that's coming up with the league this year page i understand completely if not i'm just uh just asking to ask yeah to be honest it's just you know it's kind of round table discussions and sharing ideas and, and getting a better idea of what we all do and maybe ways that we can bring it back to our teams and apply it so it's uh it's, it's really really good to see what you can do and, and what you're doing and what other teams are doing and applying it here yeah i guess getting to interact with some people there in uh the league the league meetings obviously i i assume there's kind of like a little bit of a a clan of other communications people across the league that you keep in touch with but i guess i'll let you um i guess i'll ask this i'll phrase this question to kind of let you you spread a spotlight on some of your other colleagues in the league is there any 
other pe- communications slash social media people in the league that you really look to for inspiration and think are are rock stars at the, at at their their position like you here? Yeah, no, for sure. There's a lot of us around the league, and I mean, there's a lot of people who are wearing different hats and doing different things. So, like, I mean, Mary Gates uh, down in Tri City, there, she's been in the league, I think, just as long as me, and and she's she does a fantastic job with them and we've made quite a few trades between our two teams there. So we, uh, we know each other quite well. And then, uh, you know, you've got Nick Merrick down in Portland that I've known for just as long as I've been in the league as well too. And then you've got up and comers coming into the league. So you've got, you know, like Cole Waldy up in Prince George and you've got um, uh, the girl down in uh, Vancouver there, who's just taken over this year. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see people coming into the league and, and taking over the the teams that they've got and, you know, kind of finding their, their footing with them and, you know, developing what, what they want to do with their brand strategy and, and creating content. We see uh, obviously Vegas golden Knight. This is going to be dating the, the interview, but uh, Vegas winning the Stanley cup last night and their social media as they have for their entire six-year existence, uh, is going off and they're having a time. And have you, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but have you thought about what you would maybe tweet out if Kelowna gets the, uh, makes it to that WHL championship and uh, comes out on top? Have you thought about uh, anything you could post on that kind of night? No, not not specifically, no. I haven't... Uh... I, it's kind of on the fly kind of things. Um, so, yeah, I haven't really put any thought into that. But, uh, you know, fingers crossed down the road. I, I do at some point have to put some thought into that if we if we get to that position. Just uh, one thing, one of my last questions for you, Paige, just looking at uh, your LinkedIn. And it's something that I grew up, I worked at uh, Tim Hortons. And I saw you worked at Starbucks. Just kind of what was that experience like? I know we're getting away from this your actual job now, but uh, – what was it like working at Starbucks and what was your favorite and least favorite drink to make uh, on a daily basis? <laughs> um, so yeah, I worked at Starbucks for I think three and a half, almost four years out of college there when I was trying to get my foot in the door in the industry. And uh, it's, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun to work there. You know, I crossed paths with a lot of people that I'm still like really, really close with. Um, and, you know, I, I learned a lot of things there that I've applied throughout my job still you know they teach you the latte method so you know listen take action you know like how to de-escalate a situation and and you're still constantly using that you know when you're interacting with people online and um it's it's just kind of funny I chuckle about that that you that things that they've taught me I still use today and and I have an espresso machine at home so I make coffee all the time you know because I learned how to make all the drinks there so I don't have to go buy my drinks anymore in the store um but yeah my favorite drink probably to make just based on easiness is the uh as an iced chai because you just pour the milk in and add the chai syrup and uh, ice and just hand it right over so it's quick and easy or iced teas um and my least favorite um so i i haven't worked there in a number of years but uh that was the time when the secret menu was coming out so people were coming into the store going i want you know xyz which wasn't on the menu and we didn't know how to make it so they didn't have the instructions for us to walk through and be able to make it at the time but um, from my understanding, you know, it's gotten a lot better being able to bring in the instructions and then they can tailor everything to it. Oh, the secret menu the secret menu requests always have to come in when you've got 20 other orders, the building's full, and it's like, yeah, I'll take, here's an order with 17 different steps. And it's like, oh, yep, yeah, we'll get that, uh, we'll get what that right my, away for you. One of, my favorite, 
One of my favorite Starbucks stories is I worked uh, I worked a Christmas day at Starbucks. You know, oh I was God. like, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna make a lot of money. It's gonna be really, really quiet. Um, and they actually they really skeleton staffed us that day because you know it's Christmas Day and they're paying us so much money. And uh, it was there was a car that was stuck in the drive-through for two hours because we were just so busy at the front and and through drive-through and we just nobody wanted to come in and help right so we were just so backed up and that that's definitely one of my favorite starbucks stories was the day that the car was stuck in the drive-thru for two hours and they were phoning the store from their cell phone being like well i want i i want out it's like well you're stuck in the lineup i can't help you please tell me all they ordered was like a black coffee that would just be (laughs) unreal oh i I can't i can't remember what it was but by the time they got to the front i think we just handed them their drink and told them to have a good day that's yeah. oh my goodness yeah we start we started talking about uh communications and social media but we got the whole works of starbucks and and golf we got a whole bunch of uh good topics here so yeah was there anything else you wanted to to finish with here james i guess the one thing we never asked Paige was and it sounds kind of pointed but it, it's just the easiest way i think to think of asking it is why do you love your? Why do you like your job? What uh, what gets you up every morning and uh, makes it all worth it for you? You know, um, I spent a lot of time trying to get my foot in the door in the industry out of college. Like I said, it took me uh, like four years. Uh, yeah, probably about four years out of college to even get a job um, with the in the marketing industry and whatnot. And uh, I, I knew that I always wanted to work in ho- in hockey. And uh, when I went to college, there was nothing for social media. It was just kind of starting to take off at that point in 2011. So I took radio broadcasting and I knew that somehow in some way or shape or form, I really, really wanted to work in hockey and it would work out. And, you know, there were some points where I didn't think I was going to get the chance to work in hockey. So, you know, when the Hamiltons gave me the chance to come in and be an intern and see how things worked and then getting the chance to come back and take the job full time and turn it into what it is today. Um, I'm, I'm really, really grateful for that. So every, you know, every day I get the chance to come in here and live out that dream that, you know, I didn't think I was going to have the chance to do it. It's, it's a lot of fun to come in here and it's a lot of fun to work around these guys and create content with them and showcase who they are and who the Kelowna Rockets are. And yeah, I'm just, I'm really, really thankful that the Hamiltons have given me this opportunity. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. And as you, as you've heard, she has, she has her diploma slash degree in uh, radio broadcasting there. So if uh, Regan Bartel loses his voice for some reason, we know we know who can take over uh, play-by-play duties for the Kelowna Rockets for for a night. I kid, I kid. But she's uh, got not enough to do, Nathan. Don't you dare put that on her plate. <laughs> I I kid, I kid. But thank you so much, Paige, for for taking some time out of your uh, afternoon here and joining us here on the on the Two Paper Guys podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, Paige. Thank you, and we understand that it's a very saturated podcast market, so thank you for taking some time to listen with us, and have a good morning, afternoon, evening, or whatever you're tuning in from the Two Paper Guys podcast. Thank you.